So, Richard, I have some good news for you. I'm ready. And listeners. You have some good news and listeners for me? That's awesome. Richards? Lizards? Lizards. Lizards. We have lizard friends? We do. Uh, we have made it to the halfway point of the third season. Oh, thank God. So, we are on our way to getting the hell out of this To never having to watch the third season again. Because, wow. No, these were two of my favorite episodes of the series. Are you drunk? No, they had no Chekhov in them. Oh, yeah, they didn't. That's true. Yeah, like I, I was just. But the whole the whole first season had no Chekhov. I know, and the first season was great. Yeah, and the second season was the worst season of Trek because they thought, hey, you know what we need? An ugly ass Russian who rapes everybody. Well, you're going to be very excited for an episode later this season. I'll, that's all I'll say. Uh, so, oh, wink God. of an eye. More like it was an episode of television. It lasted 50 minutes. It was not the worst episode we watched this week. I don't know how to approach this episode. I'm going to be very honest well, with you. Let's just do it very quickly. It's appropriate. <laughs> because, yeah. We'll just speed it up and sound like hummingbirds. It's it's one of those episodes that, again, I think, you know, I, I feel like we're repeating ourselves, but third season, it, it, had a, <laughs> it had an interesting concept. Well, I'll talk a little more about that in the next one, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It started out. Okay, and then it quickly dissolved into nothing. I mean, it was just, again, long scenes of padding. There was that bizarre sequence where Spock was watching dailies from the episode. (laughs) I just, I really didn't understand what they were doing. Okay, so, well, they they, they were just filling up time, man. Right, right. Like, I really... I'm getting an. I have an idea about the third season, and I want. We should find all copies of it and burn it. Oh yeah, we'll go back in time. No, and I don't want to go ahead too much, but this I think was definitely the case for the empath because that had seemed to have no point but showing close-ups of the lady. I think the third season of Star Trek was less to make television and more for a way of Roddenberry paying off some hookers without you know. Using this show as a tax as a way of writing that off on his taxes. Well, I am genuinely, and I, 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 I feel like there was no reason but to show off hot ladies. That's been the third season. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think like in general, uh, it's one of those things that, in hindsight, we can see that it's definitely a problem with the third season. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, Roddenberry was not involved in the third season, so he was basically collecting a paycheck for no work. And obviously, if, if they, we, they were all doing that, apparently, I mean, like explicitly, yeah. Roddenberry was like not even in the office, so he was off doing something else. So, in that respect, I can see why Roddenberry wanted a third season of the show because if I could collect a paycheck yeah. for doing nothing, I would certainly do it. I did. It was called unemployment. And it was great. Right, but it's. You know, it, 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 it doesn't seem to have it doesn't seem to have occurred to anyone working on the show that just because they cut their budget it didn't mean that they didn't have to try anymore. Yeah. And and Wink of an Eye is it's a bad episode because it just kind of sits there. It it doesn't it doesn't do anything. And it's so uh, anathema to what the first two seasons of the show were it it it's it's kind of silly and stupid there's no dramatic tension whatsoever the alien costumes are awful 
Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I was gonna, like the 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 main women where the women wear all of these really like scanty, very super sexy dresses, and you know, say what you want about them. If you want to show off a hot lady, this is a fine dress to show off a hot lady in. The men are wearing these ridiculous, like transparent, like house dresses. Yeah, like, it's it's. <laughs> and I and I totally get it. Naked ladies were hard to find in that's it. Like, I, and I'm like, if it. But here's the thing. Like, I'm okay with a show, and I don't know if we've talked about this before. Because, like, if this point of Star Trek were to just have these campy adventures with sexy alien ladies, and you know, just be that, be a dude bro space show. That would be you, fine. You can but, do that. But, but not – but Star Trek number one never was. I mean – so – and even – Well, here – but here's the thing. I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, and, like, and Wink of an Eye would have been a perfect uh, way to take that because if you want to do that kind of show, at least do it well. I, I always use the example um, – you know, uh, 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 I was laid up with, with ankle surgery a couple years ago, and so I started watching Stargate SG-1 because I, I was stuck inside for three weeks and had nothing to do. And I'd never seen the show before. It was on Netflix. So I said, sure, let me try yeah. this out. Stargate SG-1 is not a great television show. No one will ever put it in the Paley Hall of Fame. But it knew exactly what kind of show it was, which was... Here's Richard Dean Anderson being funny. Here's yeah. a, a large black man playing an alien that is taciturn. So we're going to play around with that. Here's the nerdy scientist, and here's the hot scientist. Chick. It was a good TV show. It was a it was a fine TV show. Yeah. I enjoyed my time watching it. I would never say that it's not entertaining. And that's the really the problem with the third season of Star Trek is that if you're going to do that kind of show, make it make fun. it entertaining. And this yeah. is not entertaining. I mean, Wink of an Eye is at least not totally boring, but they seem to be like using a lot of the actors a lot less, which I find problematic because most of the episode is Kirk and this alien babe of the week guest star uh, wandering around the ship while everybody else is off acting like mannequins. And so you you get kind of this, um, you know, I don't know if they were trying to cut people out of the budget to save on, on, on money or what, but mm. it's not enough to carry 50 minutes. Well, here's the thing, um, because – and I feel we have been talking about the female character in the third season a lot because there have been – There have been a lot of them. And we've had some really good ones, the Romulan commander, the lady in the blind episode. Like, I know we disagree about that one, but I found her a fascinating character. Um, What is the job of the main woman in this episode? Like, what is her—this th is a genuine question. What is her job in her, in the thing? Because when she I, introduces herself, she says, you know, I'm the queen. Later, I—but— Sometimes she's giving orders to people, but sometimes she's just breeding stock. I don't know if she means queen in the sense of like a, a queen, queen bee. bee. Yeah, like I, I thought that that might have been a thing, but yeah, no, I I, I get what you're saying. She, yeah. she, well, that and that's and that's another problem, right? Is that There's, her her yeah. motivation switch from scene to scene, and it's totally plot dependent. There's so scenes when she's extremely clever, like when well, that's she's, a, that's yeah. the thing. She has no, she has no consistency in her characterization when the when the when the script needs her to be smart she's smart when the script needs her to be a sex pot she's a sex pot when when the show when the script needs her to be uh, uh demure she's demure and and it makes absolutely no sense and i have to say the romulan commander was 
you know, hyper-competent, strict at one point, was furious, was sexy. She went through all of those, but... But it didn't, it didn't feel like you were watching three different people. Be- and mo- much of that may just have to do with the actress. Like, the actress, the one who played the commander, was yeah. much better at making us see that these are three aspects of the same person. Um, I don't think the actress in Wink of an Eye was as good at making that consistent. So I think it may be her. She may have had something to do with that. Yeah. The script may not have been as good. The direction may not may have been off. It was... Oh, well, I think this is the first episode where you can really see the difference in the director of photography because, wow, is this terrible. Like, yeah. It it it. I can't exactly put my finger on what makes it look so b- weird and bad at the same time. And you can but see, it used yeah. quite, he he decides to use all of these like weird akimbo like Dutch angle type things. Yeah, and and which and, I get, but they're not done well. Like, they're, they're not. Yeah, they're not done well. He he goes for a lot of close ups, and the show never really used a lot of close ups before. He's using different uh, camera angles on the bridge that we haven't seen before, probably for good reason because they just don't look good. Yeah. And so you, you kind of get these, like, I remember one shot in this episode, which I don't think we've ever seen in a Star Trek series before, where it was sort of this dead-on uh, camera angle behind Sulu's console. And so all you really see is Sulu and, like, half of the captain's chair and the turbo lift. And it's like, well, there's a reason why they didn't, they never yeah. used that camera angle. because that doesn't you, sound, I don't, you, I didn't notice it, but it doesn't sound interesting. Yeah, you want to see both. Uh, 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 members of the crew at their stations. You want to see the captain at his seat. You want to see Uhura. You want to see Spock over on the left. We don't care about the turbo lift doors and half of the captain's chair. Yeah, And that's... so it's things like that which just make the show, this episode in particular, seem almost amateurish. I mean, the, the yeah, the bridge with the full cast is an iconic moment of the show. And they thus, thus far, they've shown it to us as many times as they can. Whenever they have... Every, every, usually when they put as many people they can who would be on the bridge at any one point and they point a camera at as many people as they can show for obvious reasons. They have a really good uh, set in the bridge and they use it to full effect. Yeah. Well, not in this episode, but in general they do. And and the, the exasperating thing about this episode as well, I think, is that, it again, it could have been interesting because there there's some mystery there. You have these uh, people, which they don't know if they're there or not, and you, you find out that they're actually moving at hyperspeed. When they talk, it sounds like insects buzzing. So you've got that could be that could have been used a lot more effectively. I have to say, I I liked the first half of the episode. Yeah, I like the first half of the episode too. And I think once you have that reveal, I think if you they they stopped using that at all. Like you, I don't think you ever saw another scene where people that weren't aware of that were hearing it. And I think that would have been a really interesting way to play around with it. Um, yeah, they they like when they beam back up from from Scalos. Um, they're they're starting to have all these malfunctions, which yeah, is really like interesting. It, it builds extremely slowly, and they find they, this strange machine attached to the life support. They systems. realize, with, yeah, they realize within about five minutes that something is off. But it takes them a while, for many reasons, to figure out what that is. And they the have ma- they the have tension mounts, and yeah, they have the yeoman there on the bridge to serve coffee, just because they needed a way to get the the the, the scalosian water into Kirk, so he yeah. could. Turn into a hyper guy. I mean, it's like, okay. But yeah, they, it's very slow and insidious how this invasion happens, you know, and 
I appreciate that very much because it, and it, let's, it's and very let's, tense. And let's bring it around to another episode where uh, uh, people take over the ship rapidly, Space Seed. Mm. The, you know, in Space Seed, I mean, we talked about it a while ago, but that was like over in five minutes. And they were basically done. They're like, no, this is a really powerful force you're dealing with. You can't defeat them and yeah. you're in trouble. I think in this episode, if the people that had worked on the show in the first season had been working on the show now yeah, they would have seen more terrifying th- they would have seen more terrifying the threat would have seemed a lot more powerful and as it is they seem kind of goofy i mean especially the costuming which just drives me up a wall it's it's yeah. basically like out of forbidden planet stuff and i don't know if it's just a lower budget or what but man this costume yeah it was not good just give everybody silver jumpsuits aliens can always wear a silver jumpsuit and they will look alien it's fine and you can buy a dozen of them and they will last for the entire production run yeah just get somebody to sew them up if there's a hole yeah i i think that you know i, I don't want to i don't want to just berate the episode for, oh, but for let's. 20 minutes i think it's not great but i think on the whole it works at least in being not terribly boring I don't want to say it's entertaining, but it you know it's not tedious to watch, mostly because Shatner is doing a pretty good job of being Kirk in this episode, and we can really see his charm, his power. Yeah. You know how he gets control of the situation is really interesting because, and this is something that wasn't really made explicit, and I don't think it made a whole lot of sense. I think if you had sort of used her, whatever her name was, the Queen. Yeah, if we had character, now, now you know what my life is like. <laughs> if 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 they had characterized her better as someone who perhaps was unhappy and 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 wanted some love or whatever, you know, which they kind of sort of tried yeah, to do, but it she, didn't really work. She needs to find somebody to mate with, and at one point she has this, you know, you know, give me the dignity of liking the guy I've selected, you know, yeah, you know. So I get the sense that for many of these women, they just have to find the most eligible genetic person, and it doesn't matter because they're, you know, doing their duty towards the species. And, you know, if you manage—it's like an arranged marriage in a lot of ways. If you happen to love the person, that's a great bonus. And, right. And, you know, that's what she's asking for. And, again, it was moments like that that I liked her. It was moments when she said the, you know, yeah, you know, when, when she's talking to him after he breaks the teleporter and— they, you know, she knows he's lying. He knows she knows, and they're having this like, well, you know, if you're an honest man, and like stuff like that. Like they're they know they're bullshitting each other, and they're just having fun with that. Yeah. There were some moments like that when she's like, "I knew you would escape," but you know, I think the scene in her, in in Kirk's quarters is very good. Yeah, I and I think like you if you didn't try, but don't try again. You know. Like, yeah, and, I, and he like, and that's the thing though, Kirk. It, you can see why the episode is is a little is a little interesting because Kirk is charming in this episode. Kirk is fun to watch in this episode, and you can see the plan as it's sort of unhatching in his own mind, and he's totally playing her. Yeah. And I think on some level she knows that, but with another revision or two, I think the script would have been a lot stronger. We, I think we yeah. can both agree on that. I think a lot of it is she knows that, but she, you know, the Romulan Commander episode has a very similar thing going on between the Commander and Spock. Yeah. Where, you know, and that was much better done, but the Commander did not realize as much as Spock was playing her for part of that, and... But I think in this one, if she had had more of a sense that 
she wasn't worried about Kirk's escape attempts because she's that convinced of her side's superiority that there is no possible way that he could escape. Like, it touched upon that, but it didn't go far enough, you know? Yeah. She thinks that, you know, she finds his escape attempts cute because they're almost like a five-year-old running away from home, you know? Like... Yeah, well, at some point you're going to get hungry, you know, so you're going to come back. You know, you're stuck in this weird time thing. You are going to get so bored and I'm really hot. You know, that that's kind of her. I mean, even that's to kind the, of her thing there. Yeah. Even to the point where uh, I have this book, uh, Star Trek 365, which which came out recently. And it's like this. It's really this this cool book. But it kind of has <laughs> sure this, like, it is. <laughs> a lot of background stuff and the nice color pictures I've never seen before. And you would hate it. But. Uh, and oh I, no no! I'd love to read it. Can I borrow this? No, I think it's a hardcover, and I really want to keep it nice. I think one of the, I think it was in that book where I was reading about this episode. And did you notice the scene where uh, it cuts away from them as they're kissing in Kirk's quarters, and when it comes back, Kirk is sitting on the bed putting his boots on, and, yeah, and she's and she's brushing her hair. Yeah, I I, I had. And I was like, I, I thought that that was the cut that I saw. Good for Kirk. Yeah, I was like, damn, that's pretty much the closest the show ever got to just showing two people in bed fucking. Like, yeah, that was pretty risque for 1968. Oh yeah, uh, I, that, that, that they did not mince words. That she, he got, uh, and pro- you know, is she with child now? Maybe, maybe, yeah. Huh. That could be an interesting follow-up episode. I was going to say, there there could be a sequel to this where there were a lot of kind of unfinished ideas like that. Um, and, like, number one, they're talking to the computer and they're saying how we, we invaded. Yes, have, you know, and all these things. I found that scene if extremely the, strange. Because if the computer's allowed to tell know that someone's been invaded if you're asking a direct question— why is it not a fucking alarm? Like, why is not... If the computer is analyzing an invasion, it should be doing that process every 15 minutes, just in case. And oh, yeah, so, no, yeah, like, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't even make that connection, but that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. like... <laughs> I think it might... That that was just a weird scene to me, because, again, that just felt like padding. Like, that felt like, we yeah. need we need a minute here. There's, it's another minute short, so add this scene in. I mean... They have never done that before. It makes absolutely no sense for them to be doing that. We have seen time and time again that when they have a situation like this, they go to the briefing room and they all sit around and they figure it out because they're all really smart people. Why are they suddenly asking the computer what to do? It, yeah, it, Major it, Barrett wanted to do something. It that makes way. no sense. It just doesn't make any sense. And again, it's one of those third season things. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um. Let, let's. The end of the episode. I was about I to bring ha- that up. I so. Let's talk about what happens to the Salesians because I didn't 100% get that and didn't care at that point. Basically all the as I understand it, they they leave. So they they beam back down to the planet. And they're going to be told like, you know, and they're going to be remorseful and not do that again and die out. Well, let me ask you this question. So first of all, they so they have this water compound which accelerates you to this hyper rate that you're able to go insect speed and, you know, and then McCoy develops the antidote for that, which brings you back to normal time. I know where you're going with this. Why are they not weaponizing this? I didn't know you were going to go there. Because, let me put it this way. An army 
every single member of that army accelerates, goes in, fucking decimates a city without them even getting the second. To, if the Federation has this and is – the Federation needs to be studying this water to isolate what exact compounds are to make a harmless version of it or at least a less harmful version of it and you know one that doesn't cause sterility. If the Federation throws enough money at it, it's because let me tell you something. This is going to completely revolutionize everything. They have Spock just affecting repairs on the Enterprise at light speed. You give an engineering team this, and any every single episode in this series could have been solved in five minutes with this serum. Well, that's why it doesn't happen. Yeah. So I think I think inventing in the first place is irresponsible. Number two, why are they treating it like the Salesians are going to die when they've made an antidote for their problem? Well, that was my question. I, yeah. mean, I, I don't necessarily buy your weaponizing it thing because that's not how the Federation works. But okay, so some nobody in the universe is going to find a reason for that, or a use for that. I don't know, maybe, but yeah, you know, I, I, it's, I, it's it's kind of a side question, I think. Um, and I think you're probably looking for things to talk about because the episodes all that, not all that interesting. Um, leaving that aside, I think the end of the episode is problematic because it it doesn't really feel like Star Trek and it doesn't feel like Star Trek for this reason. We have seen episodes in the past where space seed again, to bring space seed up, perfect example, return to tomorrow again, where they were helping people that were taking over the ship. Yeah. Uh, It was space seed. They help people who were taking over the ship. They are not, they are not vindictive people. Mm. The Federation does not have vengeance in its blood. Uh, The trailer to Star Trek into darkness, notwithstanding. And so, if you want to know what that means, look at the trailer. And so it really, the end of the episode really bothered me because no, you're right. Actually, Kirk would not have just gone. Okay. See you guys. We're leaving now. He would have offered to help them. They have an antidote. Yeah. And he, why as, did he not do that? As evil as, as what the Salesians are doing is a moral wrong. Let's 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 put that at that. What they do to yeah, take over but to rape essentially what they are doing is raping. They're Kirk, they're, you know? they're raping and enslaving people. That's 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 wrong. Full stop. And yet, their motivations for doing so are motivated not by cruelty but by the survival of their own species. And so, because I think if you can say one thing about Star Trek, it. It doesn't believe in evil. Yeah, and that's the what where I thought that it the believes episode in would... it believes in good. It doesn't believe in evil, and so I think mm. that is the problem with this episode. It, 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 it what this, they did was beyond the pale. And this this can... episode believes in evil when Star Trek doesn't, no, and it, yeah, that's a problem. Nothing that any of the villains has done has seemed to be unforgivable. That's true. No, that's the thing. They they the Federation is a fundamentally optimistic organization that has fundamentally optimistic people as citizens, and. They think that everybody can come around. And again, if McCoy, one man over the course of a few hours, can make an antidote, the entire Federation team of scientists will figure out a way of curing these people's sterility. Yeah, yeah. And then you know what? You know what? There's five of them left. Maybe the the Scalosian civilization will never come back, but at least they will be able to live a normal life and they will not have to enslave people and do whatever they were doing to survive because I don't really want to get into that because it doesn't make any sense. Here's my other question. I'm also thinking about Mud's women when they go to this mining planet where they have— these miners who have not seen a woman in years, mm-hmm. and they have these women who are going to become their wives and, you know, who are going to have 
you know, more or less decent lives considering that, you know, the miners are rich. Why aren't the Salosian women doing that kind of thing? Because, you know, once they find a why, – why is their agenda not find an antidote or find a bunch of lonely dudes who are going to willingly take this thing? Because let me put it this way. In the galaxy, you will find lonely guys who are willing to live an accelerated life to spend time as the husband of someone who looks like that. Yeah, now, yeah. This is not – I, I – I, check up. Put Cheka on the planet. Everybody's problem wow. is solved. Think, think of how quickly Chekhov could rape people. I am picturing he this. could. Chekhov could rape people, and they wouldn't even know it. I'm picturing a, 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 a just a bunch of little girls in that dress with a Chekhov wig. I do not approve of rape. I'm glad you. Don't. I just want to make that clear because we make a lot of jokes about Chekhov raping people, and we make jokes. Like and we that. also hate Chekhov. Well, so I mean, that's what I'm saying. We hate Chekhov. And that's one of the reasons why we hate Chekhov. Chekhov's a jackoff. I agree. I, I think there are many, many, many problems with the conception of this episode and the ending of the episode. Oh, yeah. Another thing. Why is there no pen and paper in the Federation? Why do they have – does he have to record this message that Spock has to spend time, you know – It's a paperless society. No, it's not because any time one of the yeomen is coming up with a thing, he has a thing for him to sign. That's an iPad. So get an iPad and type it up. Help. I'm sorry. Like you get this in a printed thing like right in front of Spock. Like again, what I would if, – if I am ever accelerated and trying to get your attention, what I'm going to do is tape a piece of paper to your forehead with instructions for you and you will notice it is the second. You know, like – and, re- and, and and this is why we don't have a paperless society for precisely this reason. I am so glad about this. That, that's the only reason we don't have one. You know, I, I really think it was very important. What is the Apple store ever going to do if they get taken over by, like, the Solutions? It's going to be a bad situation. Well, yeah, because it would be redoing this episode. I think that's it. Yeah, this is an 8 triple episode because of no checkoff. Wow. If it had had Chekhov in, it would have been a two, three triple episode. I think about five. Five. It's not terrible, but it's not great. It, it is. Just, it is. It is average at best. But it's one of the. I, I guess the reason I can't give it as much as five is because, I'm kind of trying to spend the next fifty years of my life never seeing this episode again. There are a lot of that. Like there, there will be some where it's like I don't mind if if I'm on and that's on. Maybe I'll watch it, but I don't ever want to see this shit. That's fine. That's a fair reaction to a majority of the third season. Yeah. And it's also a fine reaction to our next episode, The Empath. So I'm just going to say this about this episode. I've made exactly three notes for it. The first one is Bones calls her gem just because I had to write something down. Okay. The second was what I said about, you know, this is only the, the only reason for this is to show off the lady that some producer was having sex with. Sure. And... Uh, the third is that this is an episode with a good premise, but could have done better. That is the entirety of what I thought about this episode. Like, I'm going to be honest, this I it slid off my eyes. Okay, that, that's a fair reaction. Um, this episode, uh, speaking as someone who has probably only seen about uh, maybe half of the next 12 episodes, because, you know, I've only ever seen about half of the third season. Yeah. So I, I, my opinion of this could change. This is the second worst episode of Star Trek after the alternative factor. Yeah. Here, here, and, here's, and here's the other thing about the empath. I liked this episode a lot more when it was called The Cage. Right? 
the costume. Oh my god! Just I liked it a lot. I, I liked it a little less when it was called the Menagerie. Yeah, but both of those episodes, or three, I guess, in the case yeah. of the Menagerie and the Cage, were better than this because this episode was alternative factor bad. It's interesting just to consider the costume design uh, between the two episodes because they were obviously going for the same exact effect and the alien design in the cage was terrifyingly great. I mean, it had those weird pulsing. It had yep. that whole uh, female actor, male vocals, yep. um, just stuff like that to make them seem off and creepy. And yep. they're just kind of here. Um, yep. I feel like, you know, the the evil aliens are seeming remorseful the entire time and cryptic, and they're, nobody is, seems to be paying attention to that. Um, that that's know. that's okay. So so that's one of the reasons I think this episode is terrible because it brings up one of my uh, pet peeves about television shows, which is characters withholding information from mm. each other for no reason except the demands of the plot because you need to fill fifty minutes of the running time. Uh, I, I I do say that this episode is 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 a little better than the alternative factor, just because it has a couple of good lines, and that's pretty much the only reason i think it's better than the alternative factor i think if you had had those two lines taken out of the episode it it could have been worse than the alternative factor and which were the lines uh well the first one was uh when mccoy says that he's going to name her gem he says well it's better than hey you i liked that line and the other good line at the very end of the episode when they were talking about something about human emotions, they should tell Vulcans or something. And Spock said, I shall give that idea all the consideration it is due. I like those two lines. That's pretty much all I like about this episode. I almost wonder if those were lines written for another episode that just, you know, got cut as a scene was getting cut. But they just, they it were too be. good of a line that they're like, we have to put them somewhere. It could you know, be. And here was where they landed, you know. The actress who plays the empath is not good enough to pull this role off because she is. This is a non-speaking role. Yeah. She needs to be very subtle in her uh, facial expressions and eye movements, and she is not. Well, I will say part of that is because whoever wrote this episode forgot that even though you have a silent character, you still have to write a character. Yeah, she's just there, right? And, and I, so and here's this, my qu- so here's the thing. So this is a race of empaths that literally have no personality. So essentially, what I assume this planet is is like when you point two video cameras at, a video camera at the TV. You yeah. know, I, I assume that's what this society is. And so you know these so these people think that this planet is worth saving. So they need to test this woman in order to determine whether because this. Race has no emotions unless they are feeding off of somebody else. So, number one, why are they... Uh, I, I mean, they're saving them for their r- remarkable healing abilities, let's say. Let, let's... I mean, you, w- w- why? Like, uh, why even try and make sense of it? You it's, know what? It's what, incomprehensible. Well, this was there was a There was a moment in the episode where, the, towards the very end, Spock said something about millions of inhabitants. And I was like, what are you even talking about? When the episode started, you said no one lived on this planet. Like I, I don't like where were the where were the empath race and the 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 Vions were two different species. And that was where, I think they were on. I thought they were on a third planet. Like that. What was, was going on? I, I like 
here's my thing. What's interesting is you were t- saying on the previous episode, it ends with this, well, fuck you guys, we're just leaving you. Um, At the end, you know, Kirk is someone who belie- does not believe in the no-win situation. In nearly every episode we've seen, whenever they've had to make a sacrifice, Kirk has usually figured out a way to not make the sacrifice. Yeah. And yet... The premise of this episode, which is that they have to pick one race to save, they don't trans that. So they've saved this race of these weird, annoying empaths, and everybody is left to rot. Is that I, I, what's happened at the end? I, like, I, no, I honestly don't know. I have, I, I really can't even. I, I can't answer that question because I don't understand the plot of this episode. I'm going to be very honest. The only reason I understand the plot of this episode is because after every commercial break, I paused it and caught up with the Wikipedia summary. I think you pretty much have to do that with this episode it because w- it makes no sense. It's one of those it's set up as a mystery when it doesn't need to be. The main character does not have a personality there. These weird – they cave a little too quickly because at the end, Kirk basically says, well, you're being very mean. And they're like, we are. We're going to completely change. Yeah, you because, know? They like, were, because they were out of time. It was 49 minutes in. Yeah, that's and it's like while I see that eventually being where these characters need to go to realize that you know they think they're doing an altruistic act, but they have you know been too concerned with their mission too. And that's fine. Yeah, but yeah. it just kind of happened, as you said. They were out of time. Yeah, um, and I find I find this episode really problematic because, you know, we haven't really talked about the the empath very much. But you know, Star Trek has always had a mixed history with women. Let's say, <laughs> and I really feel in this episode, this is probably one of the worst female characters that we have ever seen in the show. She is literally blank like she is she literally has no personality and she is she does nothing the only thing that she is there to do is take whatever the men in the episode give her eric she is a except except for that one scene where apparently she turns into lassie and is like no please you know i mean she doesn't talk Uh -uh. but she's like pulling on mccoy's arm and tank pointing and stuff and i'm like Wow, they literally turned this actress into a dog for this scene. Like, well, not literally, but you know what I mean. Like, I'm going to be honest. If this had – she – see, if the the episode would have been interesting if there, – there, while watching this, there were so many other episodes with this premise that I was going to write. I would have written if they – I would have thought it would have been interesting if Kirk and company find themselves in the middle of this weird competition and they have taken one member of every single race in this solar system and they're pitting them against each other to see who's the who who deserves to be saved. And while all of them think it's a competition, you keep saying who they. Who are you talking the about? The bad alien. Oh, guys. the Vions. Okay. Yeah. Um. The if the Vions were holding this competition between all of these races to see yeah. which was, and they thought it was a who can kill the other, but it turns out this woman wins because she's healing everybody and she's showing self sacrifice. That would have been a very interesting episode if. This was a race of people who were being exploited essentially as living medical kits. And how, you know, what are the ethics behind that? Because she's taking this physical pain onto herself in order to cure people, but essentially going to, you know, she will cure cancer at some point and die from it. You know, that's an interesting premise to deal with. Like, what are the moral ramifications of that? If this woman, this woman may be a literal blank, 
but yeah, there there are a lot of interesting science fiction concepts that you could go with this, yeah. and, and and they don't they don't do any of it in favor for. Uh, a lot of screaming, a lot of running around, and a lot of repeating themselves for fifty minutes until the very end when they sort of decide to 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 info dump a plot onto the episode, and then the viands go away with her. And then it ends with them all talking about the value of this woman and whether or not the viands bought her. Yes. Hey. Yeah, that was pretty bad. I oh, thought. if if again. The reason they couldn't talk about the ethics of treating this woman as a piece of property is because the episode treats this woman as a piece of property and nobody seems to notice. Yeah, yeah. She is being treated about as well as they do the Enterprise. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, I think they treat the Enterprise better than her. Um, Yeah. And that's really a problem. I mean, they all talk about how beautiful she is and how wonderful she is and all these kind of things. But, you know, they, they don't ever really seem to treat her as a person. They don't seem to really care what happens to her. And yeah. some of that could have been the fact that I think I had a stroke while watching this episode. But yeah. I honestly, you know, some of it was just there. And, and you know, it's it's really, really I don't want to go so far as to say it's offensive, but it's it's very, very problematic. The writer did not feel like – I did not get the sense that the writer was smart enough to, to follow through on the pro- premise that he came up with because it is an interesting premise. I think it was actually written by a woman. Well, that's just sad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was written by a I woman. I said he because I couldn't even begin to think that a woman would have written this crap. Um, frankly, I – it felt so dinosaur that I... I actually want to check because... Yeah, no, that's... Yeah, it was written by a woman, Joyce Muscat. More like just more crap. And here's what Wikipedia says about her. We're now reading from Wikipedia. Okay. Joyce Muscat was one of only four writers with no prior television credits able okay. to sell a script to Star Trek. And the and two of them were that other episode we saw the other week, uh, Plato's Stepchildren. Yeah. Um, uh. Star Trek co-producer Robert H. Justman read her unsolicited script, The Empath, and recommended it be bought. I don't know why he recommended it. I don't know what he thought they were going to do with it. I don't... Oh, also, it was her only sale to television, and she is also an active member of California's Society for Creative Anachronism. So I think that tells you all we need to know about Joyce Muscat. So I would say if she's still an active member, I mean, she must have been super young when she wrote this also. Oh, I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like, you know, I don't know why. I mean, you know, maybe she just didn't really. She bought into the whole thing. I mean, there were a lot of women in the 60s who still, you know, were not did not have their consciousness raised to to use sort of a, a popular term at the time. And but let me put it this way. Would somebody who did not have her consciousness raised follow Star Trek enough to write an episode about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't... Oh, yeah. No, totally. I totally think so. Yeah, because Star Trek had a lot of really smart people watching it and people that were, were very progressive. No, no, so, no, 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 no. I'm saying the opposite of that. This, this Joyce Mocap or whatever her name is... Muscat. Joyce Muscat does not seem like that she knows... She, it, it does not Oh, seem, she doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, like, I, you would think that... Yeah, like, I can totally agree. Yes, there were plenty of women who believed in traditional values would a woman who believed in traditional values watch a science fiction show would she submit an unsolicited thing would she join you know like i i get the sense that just being 
exposed to the show enough to want to write for it would have given her a few ideas about what women could be doing. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I mean, we have seen, you know, again, Star Trek has been problematic with its women characters and some of them have been very strong and, 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 and some of them have not. But, you know, I think in general, someone who would send an unsolicited script to Star Trek and would at least be passingly familiar with it, she probably watched it, yeah. um, would have known mm. how to write a female character that would work on the show. And the hell of it is... Star Trek, for all of its problematic female characters, I don't think has ever had a character like the Empath, which is just so blank. and Which has literally never developed vocal cords, which literally cannot send thoughts to another person. At one point they mentioned, you know... Telepaths both usually send and receive, and we're receiving nothing from her. Um, and also, and also, the episode doesn't really understand what an empath is because empaths yeah. don't heal people. So I, mean, I, I don't like the concept of empaths in general. Yeah, I think they're kind of silly myself. It, 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 and we'll have a lot of fun with that when we get to Next Generation Troy. But empath is like if you're gonna get psychic powers, like that's the really the lamest one. Like that's that's the one that when all the psychics get together, you make fun of the empath. Yeah. Like, the, there's like four of them and they're in the corner and they all smell kind of strange and they only hang out with each other and they're trying to talk to you and talking to an empath must be awful. Yeah, when you when you go to the mental powers convention in Las Vegas, uh, the only the only people that look uh, the only people that uh, can can look badly at empaths are the people that can only spin quarters. And that is something that's saying something really. I know Yuri Geller is like, you fucking fraud. <laughs> Just just as an aside, I I just recently watched that movie Looper that came out last year, and one of the one of the cool things in that movie that I liked a bit was uh, it's set in the future, about thirty years in the future, and uh, some people are telekinetic now because of I think genetic manipulation is yeah. supposed to be the reason, and um, all it is is people lifting quarters off tables to pick up chicks at bars. <laughs> and everyone kind of thinks it's a joke and kind of annoying. Yeah, so I just like that. But you know, to be fair, the first people would have about that strength yeah <laughs> yeah so it makes sense um and i think the fact that i'm reading from wikipedia and talking about looper is indicative of the quality of this episode let me just put a pin in this it was not really good you said you had like a page of notes no i do i mean all my notes are like what the hell is going on <laughs> what is spock talking about why are we seeing a third scene of her healing people i mean and let's talk about that i mean the script again third season problems it it features these interminably long scenes of her taking it. People are getting injured just because no, no, they no, needed no. something being, to do in the episode. People are being tortured. You know, just, yes. it's not just injured. I mean, we must make that clear. But yeah, it's like first Kirk gets in the torture chamber and she heals him. And then, you know, Spock does and she heals him and McCoy does. And it's, and like, it's not even it's not even that. Whatever. That would be bad enough. But it, they've got these optical effects where first the injury disappears off the person who's injured. Then it appears on her. And then it goes back to them and they look at her shock that she was able to do this. And then it goes back to her and she heals it. And so the whole sequence takes like a minute. It's and like, they do it three times. And it's like, we got it. We know she can do this. You don't need to keep showing us. <laughs> It's like the montage in Requiem for a Dream every time they get high, except that takes literally two seconds. Well, again, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like the alternative factor yeah, where they just, like, kept, they just kept showing the fight sequences over and over again because the episode was running short. It really feels like that. Yeah. Um, we, we have a scene where 
McCoy says, oh, she's an empath. She can do this, blah, blah, blah. Then 15 minutes later, he says almost exactly the same thing, I guess because they thought maybe people had fallen asleep, which was not a bad thing to assume. Yeah, if you went to the crapper at that point, you for the first one, you get the second one. They keep talking about the sun that's going to go nova, or nova, as they say. They turn it into a verb, which I love. But there's no sense of what planet they're on, what planet the Mayans are from, what planet the empath is from. I don't understand the the cosmology of the solar system or what is going on. I don't think that anybody involved in this episode understood it either. They don't know what space really is. The very Yeah, the very start of the episode drives me up a wall because they're on this planet and there's a cosmic solar storm coming and... You know, Kirk orders the Enterprise to leave because it's going to get bombarded by cosmic rays, and that's not a good thing for obvious reasons. Scotty says, I'll beam you up, and Kirk says, nah, we're cool, we'll stay here. Why? What was the other episode, the Indian episode, where they're just like, we have a half an hour to leave and get to, well, let's not spend that half hour preparing, let's fuck around, you know, it's the same thing. I understand that you were ordered to the planet to rescue the team that was researching the Nova before it goes Nova, but you've got some time. Get back on the Enterprise, go away, a day later come back when when the solar storm has gone away, and look for them. Well, assumingly they would be killed in the solar storm, but that's no, that, they, that's the thing. They said they said that they're going to be safe on the planet oh. because of the atmosphere. Then I don't understand. Oh well, yeah, fuck I, this episode. I don't either. I uh, what was the scene when, like, it was almost a Gilligan cut, which freaked me out. Like when you know Scotty. Yeah, like, I don't like his haircut either. Yeah, it's, it's you know that at least he had that hat. Yeah. Um, when they had, you know, Scotty's like, well, I could tell you wherever Kirk is, he's worrying more about us than we need to about him. Cut to Kirk getting tortured. <laughs> I, like that. Okay. <laughs> I actually thought that was one of the good parts of the episode. Like, but, but, but the, the thing that is, was, like, when that was just the show fucking with us. But, but, which is fine, but. With torture? Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> why not? Yeah. Uh, Apparently, I'm sensitive to torture. That's a weird thing of me, but you know, like it, it's you a, know, it's it's done so half-assedly that it doesn't bother me. I mean, right. if it had been realistic torture, I'm sure it I would have been a lot more ep- uncomfortable. It is the kind of episode you write after having half a thing of acid. Maybe that explains everything. Well, that's the okay. That is one of the things I liked about the episode. Is I liked the set that it was on. That's yeah. the only thing I liked about it. I think because. Like Spectre of the Gun, which I know you didn't appreciate as much as I did, and you're wrong. Uh, which one is Spectre of the Gun? The Western one. The Western? Wait. Oh, ha- yeah, the Billy the Kid one or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. the, the dog, dog. Okay. Yeah. Where they, all right. All right. Okay, now where they have, you know, they, they could only yeah, build yeah, yeah. The, the front, the, the, the facades of the, of the Western now town. I remember. I like this episode, too, because it makes it look alien and interesting but basically all it is 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 a black set a sound stage yeah with the lights just off which i like and they've got spotlights on them as they move which i think really works no that that was done very well the set design was done well in this it was obviously very much and especially when they uh wander off when spock notices some some electronic equipment on his tricorder and they go off to find it and see what it is and they find the two uh research scientists yeah. who have been killed and put into 
display cases. I as they were walking, I was like, you know, this reminds me of a museum. And then they get to the place where they are and the and the, yeah. and the electrical equipment and everything. And I said, oh yeah, okay, this does remind me of a museum. And then you see that, and you're like, oh cool, like that's actually what they were kind of going for. Yeah, and that nice, very apparently they have Helvetica on alien ships in space. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's it's the best font. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, Esperanto. You go to you know you go. That, that's the thing. I I want one day where they go onto the alien planet and they go to the alien zoo and they see the sign that says you know specimen human and it's all like holy shit like we were in a zoo and it's in Comic Sans. That's actually a really good idea. Like that's this is kind of like uh, a really bad Twilight episode. Yeah, <laughs> it reminds me of that. Like that's that episode of the Twilight Zone, right? That's like a cliche. Yeah, they actually do that, though, I think. In the it's the sense. plot of Slaughterhouse-Five, I mean. Anyway. But, yeah, I just... Please, let's not talk about... Let's talk about other better things. So... Well, uh, I will just say this. We can we can wrap up The Empath by saying it is one of the worst episodes of the original series. This is the first time I had ever watched it, perhaps for good reason, because I had been warned against watching it by many people. And now that I've watched it, I shall never watch it again. Again, I... I, I... I feel I cannot say it was one of the worst episodes of the series because I literally just, it was so bland. It was just like when you go to, when you go to see one of those generic bar rock bands and you see them and then you leave and you cannot remember a single like hook that they had. You know, that's what this was like. I just, I do not have as, even as I was watching this. I was forgetting what was going on. I was not wanting to pay attention because... But remember, these are all things that we said about the alternative factor, and we both agreed that it was the worst episode of the series. So I have a horrible idea. When we're done with the third season, maybe we should try and rewatch the alternative factor to see if it's actually as bad as we think it is, or if it's just really bad because it comes in the first season, which is really good. You ha- can do whatever you want with your life that is between, you know, you and your boyfriend and your dog can discuss this as a family. But, you know, that's really – I love you and I support you with whatever decision you make. But that's just – I cannot go down this road. My dog can't talk. He doesn't have any vocal cords like the empath. And yet your dog actually has a personality. <laughs> I will just – I actually like your dog. <laughs> <laughs> I have one other observation about this episode and then we can triple it out. At the very end of the episode, I appreciate the fact that the writer of this episode, Joyce Muscat, who is an active member of the Society for Creative Anachronism, decides to get a new character in on the Vulcan bashing because Scotty says a really snide thing about Vulcans in this episode. What is it? I don't remember, (laughs) but much like I don't remember anything that happened in this episode, but I just feel like that's a nice little, you know, it's just like it takes a really, really terrible episode of Star Trek and just makes it even that much more objectionable. I mean, I think the only way that it could have been any more objectionable is if they beamed back up to the ship and Spock just decided to slap Uhura or something. Like, I, I don't know how they could have made it worse. At but... the very end, they're just talking about the value of the, the, the woman. Chekhov stumbles out with like a half open bathroom. Guys, there's a lot of rape in the mess hall and everyone runs. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Is that the very last scene of Star Trek, the original series? Because that's how I would end it. I'm not going to give you any spoilers. They, You know, Kirk jumps up, you know, fists in the air, freeze frame, you know. Rocky starts playing, you know, I have the tiger. It's a great episode. The end. Negative a thousand tribbles.
I want to give this two triples because it is worse than the last episode. Whatever I gave the alternative factor, I give it fewer than that. Okay, we got uh, we got through that. It's dire, man. This is a dire, dire times we are living in. I feel like you have brought me into this awful world of pain. And I do not know why Star Trek became a thing because this show is awful. We will revisit that question when we get to the end of the third season. Mm. But before we do that, next week, we have Elan of Troyes. And whom gods destroy. Oh, God. Remember we had that conversation about how, you know, the more pretentious the episode mm-hmm. title. So we have a lawn of Troyness and, you know, God is an Englishman. It's not going to be a fun week, is it? Probably not. I will get some tequila. Okay, you do that and we will see you next week. <laughs>